0: Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of The Bullpen Cart presented by Thunderblogsports.com Recorded this back on Friday night with my buddies Seth and Mike. We talk how baseball might come back with all these different rumors that are flying around about mid-July, how much baseball we think we might see, different rules that might get implemented and whether or not those things may last, whether that's temporary division alignments, whether it's Playoff changes. This one was a lot of fun to record, as you can see on your podcast player. It is a long one, though. Felt like a uh, pre-quarantine Friday night sitting around a bar with your buddies talking baseball. And this was a really good one. You know, we just let the conversation flow. So hopefully you guys stick around for the whole thing. We had a lot of fun doing it. I think you're gonna have a lot of fun listening But as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. The Last Dance episodes 7 and 8 are coming out Sunday night. So Emily and I are going to be recording that early next week. You want to get your questions in for that? Join our Facebook group and be a part of the conversation. Search The Bullpen Cart Podcast on Facebook and join that group. But enjoy this episode guys, this was a ton of fun to record, I really do think you're going to have fun listening to it, and here we go! Welcome to this episode of the Bullpen Card, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. The namesake of the bullpen, bullpen Park, bullpen card podcast feed. Man, it's been forever since I've gotten to say this. But well, we're talking baseball, and I am incredibly excited to talk about it. I'd like to welcome back my good buddy Seth. Seth, how are you?
1: Hanging in there, Jordy. This is uh, the uh, highlight of my nearly three months of quarantine. Now, <laughs> very excited.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. Obviously, you were you helped us out with the NL Central. You were slated to come back on, and then uh, the quarantine happened, the delays happened. What
1: division was I going to do? I
0: think think you were doing AL West again. That's right. Yeah, I think we just –
1: I had a lot of good zingers prepared about the Astros that I've had to put on hold now.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in The Lasting Impact. But we got to introduce Mikey. Making his debut is a a friend of ours, a very good friend of Seth's, and I've met you a couple times. It's Mike Wisniewski. Mike, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, very well, Um, you know, as well as can be expected during quarantine and, uh, you know, just trying to take advantage of the extra time to study up for our fantasy baseball draft coming up at a time to be determined. Yes,
0: that is a really good point. I just joined your league this year and uh, unlike the other league that I joined that I kept getting Yahoo draft updates from because our commissioner forgot to. Change the draft date again. He had it set for last Friday. Uh, we still have not determined when ours is going to be, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that of when baseball may possibly return and a ton of different stuff. We have a lot of ideas for this. This should be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, not too serious. I think we're you know I think at this point in the quarantine, I don't think anybody is uh, trying to be overly serious, but we you know to a degree. But let's let's jump right into it. Let's uh, let's try to figure this out of when baseball is going to come back. We have some some thoughts and of some different rumors that have gone around of what baseball might do and everything there. So coming out, there've been a, a bunch of different rumors about potentially July. There's Scott Boris's idea of trying to go all the way to December. Where do you guys fall and what do you guys think? Obviously we're not scientists and experts on there. So this, I think it goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyway, that testing is paramount to anything, but where do you guys fall on if baseball is going to come back and when that is?
1: So, I, I guess I would answer that in, in two ways. Uh, one, uh, what do I? No, I'll, 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 I'll simply say what, what I think is going to happen, uh, and the and two ways will come out. So, I mean, I, I think that the reporting, I think it was Jeff Passan in uh, the ESPN uh, earlier this week with, with sort of the scoop that there's going to be a proposal coming to the Players Association at some point within the next week. The thrust of which seems to be starting with a players only, uh, of course, spring training in Arizona and Florida at some point in in mid to later June, which would run about three or so weeks uh, with the season actually starting up, ideally uh, without fans, of course, but in home stadiums. So New York, Philly, uh, everywhere around the country um, at some point in in around mid-July. the idea would be around 80 to 100 games uh, going uh, beyond October, uh, not necessarily into December to sidestep uh, uh, a second wave. Um, and, and to be honest, um, I mean, the reporting, at least over the past week or two, has, has seemed to be pretty consistent uh, mm-hmm. about this, that this is the direction in which the league is leaning um in terms of how I see things playing out, I, I think that's what they're gonna try to start, and I yeah. certainly think we're gonna see some spring games and we we may even see a start to the season um if If I were a betting man and as you both know increasingly I am do <laughs> uh, betting on some some Russian table tennis and uh home darts uh really excellent odds in both of those um uh, but but if I were a betting man, it would just really surprise me um if Major League Baseball was able to actually finish a season um, in 2020. Um, I I think there are just going to be so many obstacles that that come up, and there's so much contingency planning that you can do. Um, but when the situation on the ground uh, starts to change, like I think it's it's going to as we get into the fall, um, it's it's just really tough for me, at least, to see professional sports continuing in, in any capacity. So sort of a long-winded answer to what I think is gonna happen.
2: Sure. Mike, how do you feel about it? I just wanted to clarify one thing with Seth. Do you think they're going to actually start, but they won't be able to finish? Yes. Is that okay. I, I, I,
1: I see a start-stop happening, basically.
2: Okay, that's interesting, and I guess it wouldn't be the worst case scenario because we still get some baseball, but it would probably be the most disappointing scenario, right, if you're able to get everything going again and get some games happening and, and teams getting in full swing and then all of a sudden having to stop before you get the big payoff and have some type of postseason. I think that would be, uh, at least to me, like I said, the most disappointing thing. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you. I, I'm a little more optimistic. If you asked me you know, two, three weeks ago, I'd say very little chance. And the more I think about it and the more you know, that's coming out in the news and everything, I, I think baseball has a good chance to play to play not a full season. Obviously they're not going to be able to play 162 games, but I think they could get in 80 games, a hundred games and get in, get in a full post season. Um, and I think just the way baseball is played lends itself to being able to play while still social distancing in a way, because it's not a contact sport. You know, if you had to, you could play baseball with masks. You have baseball has the advantage of having all this time to prepare for it. Unlike basketball does and, and the NHL does, and they're trying to get their seasons finished as soon as possible. Baseball doesn't even have to start until the end of July, and they can still get a relatively long season in and with, uh, you know, enough meaningful results. So I, I think there's a good chance that to see baseball in 2020.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Mike, that I think that we're probably – if I had to guess, I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought the mid-July would have been feasible because that's where kind of we'd thought – this whole time was July 1st seemed to be this hot date. And I think it was around April 1st, Seth, you and I were talking about it and we still weren't very optimistic at all about it. But I mean, at this point, if, if that's where they're starting to, if the steam is really rolling there, I think maybe, you know, I would guess probably closer to 80 than a hundred, if they wanted to do a regular season, maybe a half season type of situation. Um, Yeah. We're going to get into how they can accomplish this and how they want to try to ultimately get everything in. But yeah, the, in, in terms of – you kind of hit the nail on the head with social distancing and, and how it lends itself to it. You know, the PGA Tour is returning in a couple weeks in June. NASCAR is coming back next week. These are also sports that kind of lend themselves to that as well. Uh, golf, obviously, has reopened itself in Pennsylvania and have taken full advantage of that. And they're, They've come up with different ways, both technology-wise and just implementing different rules to do that. So it would be really interesting to see what baseball does because, like you said, with basketball and hockey, they're – desperately scrambling and, and Adam Silver met with a number of different execs and uh, both in teams and in the NBA offices to try to figure out what they want to do. Hockey's been silent and I think they really want to figure out something. There's different rumors about if they're going to do a single site or what they're going to do, but I think they also have to figure out since they share stadiums with NBA with NBA teams of how to, how to figure that all out. Um, in terms of the, In terms of the single stadiums, Obviously, that's been that came out this week, as you mentioned, in the passing article. I don't really see that, and I kind of hope that doesn't happen. Not just because I was excited to see the different, you know, cactus and grapefruit league, but uh, I just think it. It and I get like you're now quarantining either fifteen and fifteen or thirty all in the same spot, players in a relatively small area. But I feel like that just cuts out on travel, and that and that probably leaves less room for error i feel like of god forbid the phillies you know they fly through phl and something happens or if the cubs come into philadelphia and even if they're flying you know they, they go from the plane directly onto a bus and directly to citizens bank park you know god forbid something at the airport is screwed up i just feel like travel if you can minimize that i feel like that can that can certainly help with it
1: yeah. I I couldn't agree more with that. And, and, and just by way of point of clarification, I do think we're going to see baseball. In oh, sure. 2020. Uh, I just don't think we're going to see uh, a season, even a shortened season. Yeah. Um, started and finished uh, finished as in uh, a champion being crowned. I also, um, so I, I had needed myself very briefly on this, uh, on this zoom call. Uh, Because I was just looking at the date, since you mentioned April 1st, Jordy, and would just like to point out that exactly two months ago today, earlier this afternoon, Sunday, March 8th, today is Friday, May 8th, uh, Mike and I were sitting at Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida, (laughs) watching a Braves-Yankees game. That's incredible. Um, And uh, was that, that was the last game that we went to, Mike, right?
2: No, we went to another Phillies game on Monday.
1: Monday, right. That's right. awesome. The
2: Phillies that's right. played the Yankees. That's right. In Clearwater.
1: Right. That's
0: awesome. To that point, actually, Sunday, Mar- Sunday, March 8th, that's when I went to the XFL. That was a I, good time. I
1: remember getting uh, a text or two from you at <laughs> yeah. the,
0: the XFL. XFL um, at, a, at a soccer stadium. That was. Uh, yeah. That's the last sporting event I've been to.
1: And when, uh, that is the – Obviously, last time I was on an airplane. A couple of days after that, and will probably be the last time, and for quite a while.
0: Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you kind know, of keeping it with happier thoughts and uh, <laughs> different ideas. So we kind of teased it at the beginning, but you know, so we threw out you know different numbers, or at least Mike and I did. But there's a number of different ideas that have been thrown out, and, and ways to keep it safe, we've kind of you know mentioned it of how. You know, social distancing and you know, whether or not to limit travel. There's a number of different ideas, and I, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. I have some ideas too, especially from what we've seen from some other sports that have ha- that have done different ways to present their their game out onto onto to television, as well as just to get it to get it going. But you know, double headers have been thrown out. The Justin Turner home run idea. What are some of the ideas you guys think that could really work for kind of a you know? 80 game, this wacky 2020 season that could be, but yeah, let's start with let's start with Mike this time since Seth, since Seth went first.
2: Uh, you well, you mentioned a couple, the all the all the ideas are are interesting and I I love debating them and thinking about them. I'm not I'm not crazy about the Justin Turner home run idea, which I know Seth will probably chuckle at because we've we've discussed this before. Yeah. Um, I might have the semi-controversial opinion that I'm actually okay with ties in sports in the regular season. You know, if you want to limit the chances of injuries and whatnot, and you want to play 10 innings and then say after that it's a tie, then just end it in a tie. I don't have a problem with that. And when the stakes are higher in the postseason, then you want to just, you know, that's when it gets really exciting to play 14, 15, 16 inning games. Um, So I'm usually against types of ideas that are kind of, I think, kitschy and whatnot, and not really part of what I think of of baseball as, but I love the idea of the realignment for one season. Um, whether it's the three divisions uh, based regionally, or whether it's the Arizona and Florida, the Cactus and Grapefruit League divisions, I think that would just be really interesting. I mean, seeing you know, as a Phillies fan, being able to 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 play the Yankees and and maybe the the Orioles as you know s- some type of regional rivalry for just a year I think would be a lot of fun
0: yeah I would uh, I would agree with you with that I I was a big fan of seeing the grapefruit and cactus leagues just from the idea the divisions that got thrown out of playing even if you're playing 80 games you have to think they play how much they play each division with theoretically no no interleague of I think it was the Phillies the Yankees the Orioles Pirates I forget who the fifth team was the Tigers I believe the Tigers yeah um I mean, not to I mean, mention that
2: that division would be pretty nice to play. In. Yeah, exactly. It'd be it nice was, for us, Yankees. Yankee
0: nicer for Seth as a Yankee fan. But
2: uh, <laughs> there it was
1: an amazing tweet uh, from, uh, I think it was just from a, a baseball reporter who covers the Yankees that uh, was essentially uh, in reacting to that particular division alignment uh, idea. Uh, how much did the Steinbrenners have to pay uh, to, uh, to to get this trial balloon floated out there? Uh, yeah, that's that's incredible. uh, Can I I interject briefly and and ask, um, because it seems like both you and Mike and and I'm, um, I'm all for, I'm all for most ideas because I think, I mean, the, the idea of, of baseball, if it's going to be played in 2020, right. Is, is to make it fun for the fans. Sure. Um, and so I, I tend to give major league baseball a lot of latitude in, in defining what that is, um. But if the divisions are going to be realigned somehow, Jordy, I thought that you um, earlier posed a really interesting question. Um, What would our sort of dream divisions look like? Yeah. Um, So I'm going to provide mine because I gave this some thought and and you, you laid it out sort of as a four team division. Mm -hmm. Um, So mine would be Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies, Mets. Um, A tremendous uh, amount of, of fun. Obviously you have, not not just two really good rivalries, uh, but a really good one between uh, the Yankees and Mets. And for some reason, uh, the Red Sox and Phillies always seem to be matched up during interleague rivalry week. They're natural rivals, according we're, to Major League we're Baseball. We're all doing uh, air quotes here. Yeah. Um, so so there's you know certainly some uh, intrigue uh, that that goes along with that. But I think that would just be would be great fun. Um, you know it would certainly uh, be of interest to folks uh, far outside the northeast um so that's what i would like to say yeah
0: that's a that, that's a really good good call on the on those four i think somebody threw out the idea that if baseball were to expand out to 32 teams like the nfl and do eight divisions of four to two conferences of 16 whether it's still alnl or east west or whatever i think that was one i that, that was one that got thrown out basically to keep those intact and I totally agree with you for whatever reason for whatever, the Red Sox should be their natural rival should be the Braves. Cause the Braves started in Boston just to at least keep that idea alive. Uh, and I guess you'd leave the Phillies and the, and the blue Jays, which is currently what the uh, the Atlanta rivalry is, which still does make sense. Um, yeah. My, my one would would probably pretty similar. I'd maybe throw in the Braves and maybe round it out to five teams. Um If not, if you're going to go bigger and go, like, four division – that wouldn't make sense of 30 teams. But if you were going to go five divisions of six or however you want to – however you kind of want to kind of shake it out. I do – I would love to see it. And, again, the division that got thrown out for the Phillies in that grapefruit cactus did not feature the Mets, who I do love to see the Phillies play and whether or not they're getting their ass kicked or they're kicking the Mets' ass. Um, But just mix in some other teams to be able to see those, especially because – playing against – there's a half of the league, regardless if it's AL, NL, that you're not going to see, you know, no matter what, I feel like. I don't think they're going to – I think as much as they'd love to get Yankees Yankees Mets if they did home stadiums out there, I just don't think schedule, schedule-wise it would make sense to do. Um, so I think just the idea of, of mixing it up, you know, because we're losing a NL East, AL West year where the Angels were supposed to come to Philly and it would have been – you know, fun, Mike Trout coming to Philly and all this stuff of, you know, everything that – and elsewhere in Philadelphia of being a huge Eagles fan and everything there. So, like, that's not one that could happen of the Angels being in there. But any of it mixes it up of whether it's the Tigers or you put the Cubs and the Phillies into, into a division. I say that selfishly, Mike, because my mom is from Chicago, so all my cousins are Cubs fans. So That would just be fun to play them more often than six times a year. But, yeah, any, any way that you mix it up that you don't have to play the same teams that you would play anyway. Because, like you mentioned, Seth, Make this year fun. Um, I would more tend to agree with Mike of just give it a tie after 10 innings than do anything because as fun as it would be watching it and as much fun as I would have watching the the effectively just home run derby shootout, it's like shootouts in hockey or PKs in soccer. I have a lot of fun watching it, but at the end of the day, you start to think about it and it is a little kitschy to use Mike's words. I refer to it as a coin flip. That's what I – refer to hockey shootouts all the time that's where that came from um but anyway just any baseball on tv is is fun no matter what so if we can get that that's what I would be all for
1: keep, keep in mind that uh the the prospect of being able to watch some combination of uh Aaron Judge Giancarlo Stanton and and Gary Sanchez uh participate in a faux home run derby yeah. maybe okay. bi- maybe biasing the jury a little bit here yeah. and for the record i don't think this will ever happen
0: yeah it's a fun idea to postulate because it's the it's the classic mike greenberg freaks out about any sort of idea and goal when it was still mike and mike Golik freaking out and he always pulled in college football over time which is nothing like a shootout or penalty kicks being like they start on the 20 you're giving him points like you still have to make the field goal hold on there like and Greeny always says this would be like if they had all to make five footers at the Masters. It's not what it's not what this is. It's still hitting home runs. So it'd be fun to watch. It's not as as much as I love golf of a putt off. Does not sound like the most exciting way to determine a golf tournament. So I'm not going that way.
1: I, I wanna say one more thing and then I would love to hear uh Mike's perspective on the uh divisions as well but jordy you, you suggested maybe including the uh, the braves and the foursome that i had thrown out there i would be all for that and and if we wanted to expand it to six just uh really for for nothing other than our continued conversations with our uh wonderful friend jared barnes um i would like to see the pirates thrown in there as well and that could that would, really you know provide some nice balance
0: that would be nice because it's something where yeah, obviously the the in terms of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh sports the Steelers and, and Eagles only play once every 4 years they some and most of the years they have a preseason game that doesn't really mean anything Flyers and Penguins is obviously the heated one the Phillies and Pirates always kind of goes under the radar of this you know neither team is as ever really been that good at the same time when the Pirates had their come up the Phillies were coming down and you know the Pirates also haven't made the playoffs or they've made the playoffs but haven't made the you know round of 8 since what 1993 when barry bonds left they made the wild card game against the cubs and and the giants i think and lost but it would be nice to just it'd be nice to get that going and, and have that just to like just to, it, it would drive interest there it's not to not to continue to bring hockey references in it but like, this is like my thought of being okay with the the stadium series at dodger stadium being like this uh, this could bring random eyeballs Being like a hockey game in los An- outdoors in los angeles what's this about like be like, oh, the Phillies don't normally play the White Sox, or you know, insert a random American League team in. This is cool. Let's throw it, like, let's see what this is about. So that's 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 where my like my logic kind of falls into there. But yeah, Mike, what what are your thoughts on any sort of ideal teams you'd love to see?
2: Oh yeah, Seth kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I was also going to say the uh, because as you mentioned, you know, I think it's a, a could be a great you know interstate rivalry that just doesn't really exist other than you know you have the, the Flyers and the Penguins this is one of the best rivalries in in, in hockey for sure yeah. um, but the, the Eagles and the Steelers like you said play each other once every 4 years Pittsburgh doesn't have a basketball team the Phillies and the Pirates play one series in each stadium and 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 that's about it and i i believe that the Pirates used to be in the Phillies division if you go back to when there were just just two divisions in baseball. So they used to be divisional rivals and, and there's a, there's a, there's a good rivalry between Philadelphia fans and Pittsburgh fans. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to to play the pirates, even if, you know, they look into realigning divisions going forward after this year, because if they do make some of these changes, I'm sure some of them will actually stick. And if, if that was, that was one, I I'd be all for it. You know, get, you can, you can get rid of the Marlins and who, you know, I have. It's not really fun to beat on the up on the Marlins because even if you're beating up on them, it's not like you're. They have any fans who are getting upset about it, you know. But if, if the Phillies and the Pirates were both good at the same time, it would be a lot of fun.
0: That would be a lot of fun, and sadly, the Phillies have not been good against the Marlins in the last couple of years. That's two years ago. That that could have been the difference of where they were and Gabe Kapler actually having a winning season, and last year uh, was even worse. But
2: that's true. You make a good, you make a good
0: point, but yeah. If- yeah. Get them out. They're cursed. They're cursed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if, if the Phillies were losing those games to the pirates, I think we would have heard about it from some pirates fan. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't have a, a single Marlins fan taunting me. About oh no,
0: it. not at all. I, I believe it or not. Uh, so I went to, I went to boarding school, Mike, and the year the Phillies won the world series and played the, and played the Rays. There were some kids from Florida who were from the, the, you know, western side of Florida and our Tampa mm-hmm. fans and are all of a sudden being like our baseball team's good and we're <laughs> trying to talk shit and you know the Phillies won in five games so we showed them. But they but being in Massachusetts they were able to talk all the shit on the Red Sox of everything there. So
2: they that at least must won have, that. that. Yeah, that <laughs> must have been a lot of fun because that was a very exciting uh, ALCS if I remember. It
0: was. Yeah they yeah went to seven games. There was the there was the walk off to send it to seven. I think it was Pedroia hit a walk off home run. Um, yeah, that was a uh, that was it was a fun playoffs. So, I mean, obviously the Phillies had a had a fun ALCS against the and then once again the next year against the Dodgers. Um, two two great back to back years. But yeah, the uh, the the Rays and if you but like going back to that point of like throwing these teams that should probably have more of some sort of rivalry or some sort of like, you can't really build history, but to write it, if you will, give more games and, and get more opportunity to, to kind of stir up the pot of, you know, Miami fans and you know, wherever that means to you. And my mind always goes to the Heat fans leaving the stadium before the Ray Allen shot. But that and Tampa fans who, you know, they have, they're probably fans of somebody else. I'm not going to – don't want to throw it out there. I know the Yankees <laughs> have their – their, their spring training stadium and their single A team down there, so I feel like there might be more Yankee fans there than Rays. Uh, but if you however you want to build it out to try to mix things up and just get get the idea going, because I feel like even just and I can't speak to this from knowing Astros or Texans fans, but I feel like or not Texans Rangers fans. Um, I feel like those two teams now being in the same division rather than just being inner you know inner league rivals. I feel like that's probably helped, helped with something. And they were good at the same time for a little bit, so that had to be pretty, pretty exciting in the mid-2010s to be there. So, I mean, mix it up, have fun with it is, is kind of where not to keep beating that drum. That's, that's where my mind keeps oh, yeah. settling down to.
2: I'll make one proposal just if they're going to stick with the same, you know, five, six divisions of five teams each is just throw the Marlins over to the AL East and give us, give us the Orioles and think of how much fun that would be. That would be a blast. In the end, at least with the Orioles and, and the Nationals, Phillies, uh, Mets, and Braves all in the same division. That would be yeah. a lot of
1: fun. You've obviously got the Marlins and Rays, which is uh, not, not insignificant by any stretch. I, I will say, just speaking of the Rays, uh, two quick things. Rudy, to, your, to your comment about your uh, classmates in, in boarding school, so now Mike and I have been down to the Tampa area for spring training like four or five uh, consecutive years. Mike, would you agree? I can probably count on maybe not one, but but two or three hands—the number of raised hats or shirts that I've seen uh, at the baseball games that we've we've been to. Uh, It's it's always been pretty pretty wild. uh, Just seeing pretty much every team, but the team that calls that area—it's it's it's home ballpark.
2: That's incredible. Um, That's a fair statement.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I will also say, did either of you happen to see um, ESPN's uh, rating of every World Series? Um, that that they published earlier this week.
0: No, I didn't.
1: It's 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 a very good read for anyone out there, and, and they came up with you know a pretty interesting methodology looking at things like um, you know quality of the storylines, quality of, of the games. Obviously, series that that you know went seven games uh, versus series that were sweeps um, had had a bit of a head start. Um, the Phillies-Rays series actually scored, uh, pretty low. Yeah, I would imagine Um, it
0: did with the delays and all that.
1: Yeah. Um, the, um, the highest scoring Yankees series, um, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll see if either of you can guess it because it was in our lifetime. So that's giving quite a bit away. It Um,
0: is, it is in our lifetime?
1: It's in our lifetime. Is it 01?
0: The Diamondbacks?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was number eight or number nine. Yeah, uh, there were some really interesting ones in the top five, that I really was not. I uh, think I'm less of a uh, sort of pre nineteen nineties baseball history guy than than both of you are. Um, so it's just pretty interesting reading about a lot of them. And, and oh, also, do they do
0: all of them? Just yeah, not every, not every within every, the history? Wow, that's cool.
1: One. Yeah, with 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 a, a neat little narrative uh, yeah. for rationalizing. Uh, each one. So de- definitely worth a read. Um, that's pretty
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. When you said game, so my, in my mind, I was thinking like, since ESPN has been around, so for 40 plus years, um, yeah, when you said game seven, that's why I thought oh one one because of how that game ends.
1: Um, one that ranked extremely high and, and that I actually went back and looked at some of the box scores was uh, uh, the White Sox in 05. Really? Um, which I think was either on five or swept.
0: They swept well, the Astros.
1: Yeah, did they sweep? So the quality of the games just like unreal. Yeah. Um, just looking back and watching some highlights. Um, I thought it went five, but but if you if you both yeah. say they swept, then I'm uh, pretty
0: sure they uh, did because I think both them and the Red Sox swept their respective curse-breaking World Series Okay. But it, how many? I just remember Paul Konerko winning World Series MVP. He had an unreal series. I remember. Yes. But I. The thing I remember from those playoffs more was the Astros-Cardinals series in the NLCS. That's where, in that game six, it was
1: what? That was when Beltron just went off, right?
0: Yeah, it was when Beltron goes off, and Pujols basically single – he almost single-handedly keeps the Cardinals in that series. He has not a walk-off because it was in Houston, but he has the, the game to send it to game seven where he basically – he did the reverse of the of the Jose Bautista bat flip of just spiking the bat into the ground. That if it had any sort of edge to it, it probably would have stuck like an axe. Um, where he just spiked it with authority. Uh, I just like that was because obviously the Phillies got close that year and would have been would have been the second wild card if that had existed at the time of Billy Wa- if Billy Wagner doesn't blow a save, the Phillies win the wild card. So that I just yes, remember they
2: that- they finished.
0: They finished a the game behind. They swept they sweep the Nationals and Comcast SportsNet put the Cubs Astros game on and fucking Craig Biggio made a diving catch to to save the game in game one in game one hundred and sixty two for the Astros. I remember this very vividly. Um, so, I, long story short, I just remember that. I remember that playoffs fair very, very much so because of mostly that September into October. So sure. Very cool season to follow along to because the the White Sox didn't really come out of nowhere, but um, like the Re- the Red Sox had been, had been pretty good, the Yankees had been pretty good. I think they tied. Did they play one sixty three or did they both did they both make the playoffs? Um, it's something like that. I think they tied the a- the AL East and either they had a tiebreaker or the Yankees won the the Yankees won the um, won the season series, so they got the division, and then they both lose. And the White Sox, the White Sox end up you know, kind of taking over.
1: Yes. So just interestingly, uh, the, the four criteria I, I have it pulled up here. Um, so number one was game leverage index, which they just pulled from baseball reference. Uh, championship leverage index, which is uh, similar to game leverage, um, but includes how close the series itself was okay. uh, that they pulled from a source called the baseball gauge. Um, they then looked at a more qualitative measure how memorable the series was and then uh, relatedly they looked at how sig- historically significant the series was and coming uh dead last 115 and and you're it's going to be so obvious to both of you 1919 Reds over White Sox in eight, in in 8 games best of 9 yes it reads, Rigged by eight White Sox players who have been paid to lose, and the games weren't even
2: close. What was the final criteria, though? The fourth. So, historical significance. So, what one good- one could argue that that is yeah.
1: extremely.
0: historical. shoot it up, yeah. Especially if you're putting that that White Sox win that high up because they broke the curse. You have to put it there. That's, do you know why? Do you guys know why they're called why that that team was referred to as the Black Sox? The 1919 White Sox? I do not. So most people think it's because of the curse, but it's because Charles Kaminsky was so cheap, the White Sox jerseys were so dirty that the media referred to them in jest as the Black Sox.
2: And Jordan, then it just – it stuck with the scandal. He, he charged his players to do their laundry, and yeah. they refused to pay to have their uniforms laundered, so they just – played in dirty uniforms and yeah. they got so dirty that they were essentially black
1: yeah. yeah wow i did not know that uh so but before moving on i want to ask you both one more thing about this so uh jordy you were probably born in 1990 right yep i'm 91 mike's 91 as well um so let's let's assume that we were all born in 1992 mm-hmm. um what is the highest ranking according to this list world series in our lifetimes assuming we were born in 1992
0: since 92 um what well, one's gonna take seven games 2001 2003 2014 it's either 14 or 01 is what i would guess
2: it is neither
0: oh okay. i would
2: say 2011 you are correct
0: oh yeah that's a really good call that's that was oh man that was also a fun World Series to follow along, too, despite the the loss of the Phillies to the Cardinals earlier in those playoffs.
2: It was a very difficult one, and, and I have to admit, I did not. Um, I turned on game six right before the uh, the walk-off home run, and I saw it, and I was so, I was still so upset about the Phillies losing to the Cardinals, I flipped the TV off immediately because I was turning it on to watch the Cardinals lose, and I couldn't in the moment, appreciate it until later as a baseball fan yeah. as to how special so that moment actually was. But in, in the moment at the time, I was just so – I was I was like, okay, I'll, I'll tune in just to see the Cardinals lose. This will be some type of vindication. And, and, of course, they hit the walk-off and then the great call by Joe Buck and yeah. they're hitting the game seven.
0: We'll see you tomorrow night, yeah. Uh, I wish they could have done – like on tennis, they say X number championship point. Of how many times the Cardinals were down to their last strike in that game, and just David Freeze tying it and then walking it off, and it's just incredible. That game, I think it was on Halloween at Game Six, and then I think Game Seven was November first, um, if I remember correctly. I vaguely remember there being a party at my college house, um, but yeah. But there's you know a bunch of other ideas. I mean, what do you guys think would be the mo- would be the best way for them to try to be conscious of not trying to squeeze the season in too much. Like, do you think going to December is the right way? Do you think trying to do double headers? How do you think the best way to fit a schedule in? Assuming, let's say, July 15th is the day they do it. Do you think trying to do a World Series by October 31st? Or do you think Scott Boris is onto something of do a neutral site World Series just for this year for shits and giggles in San Diego, and we can do it in November? Like, what do you guys think is the best way to go it? We'll start with Seth since we did Mike the the last time.
1: Yeah, well, so I think that um, in in terms of the timing, uh, I think that uh, it would be a fool's errand to schedule out into December. I mean, especially none of us are doctors, none of us are public health officials, but especially everything you read about, uh, you know, a potential second wave of this, or, or or not even the second wave, but but COVID just coinciding with. With flu season, sure, uh, and you know the farther into December and January and fe- February, the get you. so you know I, I think extending maybe a purple would be fine. Um, I don't think that the league should necessarily bend over backwards to accommodate that. I mean, one of the ideas that has has really intrigued me, to be honest, is um, is double headers, and and if there's not an appetite for uh, traditional you know nine inning double headers. Um, doing two shortened games of of seven innings each. Obviously, you know, either of those with with expanded rosters. Um, You know, I think there's potentially uh, a lot of intrigue there and, and, you know, that potentially still allows you to build in a couple of off days here and there um, while still getting in, you know, anywhere from from 80 to 120 games I and mean, I think there are a number of ways that, that the math works out there um, but but if you know the question is uh, timing and and December I mean you can you know if, 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 if for any reason you have to pause um, at some point and say August um, you can always tack on you know two weeks uh, in into the rest of November if you know what it requires is a two or three week break you know, a quarantine of, of, of a couple teams, something along those lines. Um, if you are planning, as it stands, to end the season in, in, in mid de- mid-December right now, you've got no flexibility, no wiggle room. And I, I, you know, think both of you would probably agree that the worst possible thing, uh, worst possible situation would be something along the lines of where the NBA currently finds itself, which is, you know, things have, have more or less shaken out in terms of what playoff seedings um, would be. There are still, I mean, Jordy, you wouldn't know the, the exact number, but still probably about 20 games on the regular season schedule. Yeah, it's it, basically two-thirds. Yeah, it, it's, or, it, it's, or three-quarters, excuse me. It seems like enough people, you know, would be okay with, uh, you know, simply going into a, a tournament-style playoff rather than just yeah, trying expand to the, the regular season at all. Um, you know, that would just really, really suck. Um, if, if teams were to play, uh, you know, 80 games, a hundred games and, and something were to happen and the league just had to, you know, shrug its shoulders and say, guys, we can't finish. Sorry. Uh, that would, that, that would hurt.
2: Yeah. Mike, where do you fall on this? No, Seth makes a very good point. It, it would not be wise to plan on playing in December, but to keep that option in your back pocket that, Say you plan to end a few weeks later than normal, mid-December or mid-November, and then you still have a month of wiggle room to work with if you need to shut down at some point. And another thought that I had was, unfortunately, I don't think we'll we'll be able to have fans at any game, any baseball game this year. And that kind of makes the idea of a neutral site World Series okay for me, just in this case, because there's not going to be fans at the stadium anyway. So I don't think it would necessarily hurt to have those neutral site games. Um, plus, if you're playing that at that point of the year, you're going to want to play it somewhere warm, which would make me think that one of the best ideas might be, if you can get to that point where, you're, where you finish the season, teams are healthy, nobody has the coronavirus, that maybe at that point you can send teams back to either Arizona or Florida and play in those warm weather climates, and keep them all in the same place just for that short period of time to kind of increase the likelihood that you could finish the postseason if you're getting to the point where you can start it.
1: That's
0: actually a really good point of being like, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I agree. i and pretty much throwing, you know, writing off going to a sporting event until 2021. As much as I'd love – like the NFL just came out with its schedule and we've known the Eagles are going to Cleveland. And I have a buddy from Lehigh who who is a huge Browns fan who have said, like, oh, yeah, let's let's go – you know, let's try to come visit and go to the game. And he texted me yesterday being like, oh, it's the same weekend as the Lehigh-Lafayette football game, which happens to be at Lafayette anyway. So it kind of worked out. And, and, I'm, and but I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my head and I don't want to like – I don't know where he falls on all of this because we haven't had that sort of deep conversation. But I don't want to be like – I don't think I'm going to be able, the NFL is going to do fans and in, in, in argument with him. Um, but I, I genuinely don't think the NFL is going to have fans. I'm not even sure on that level of college football if college football is going to happen because, I, you know, I don't know where colleges are standing. And I, I don't think if college – if kids are going back to college, they're going to play college sports. Um, that's a different conversation for a different podcast. We're talking about baseball. But – the flexibility that you were talking about of being able to move from site to site and whether it's spring training sites in the greater Phoenix area with how many there are there and, or doing, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of a major league city that also has a number of minor league teams around it. Like I know Atlanta has Gwinnett. um, Tampa has a, has a bunch of spring training sites. So that that would obviously be one, but um, but being able to Texas, move from site to yeah. site, um, is definitely something that keeps it there too. Of if Phoenix spikes up, because if because of its proximity to Los Angeles, being able to move the Cactus League to Texas or or even to Florida and be and just combine it there, and there's still two separate leagues that's a really good point. And that's that's probably something that I feel like they should definitely keep in their back pocket. Um, in terms of the in terms of timing, my original question, uh, I would agree with you guys. I think it's it's probably you're more likely to see double headers just to to increase the likelihood they get it in. And I feel like they I, I feel like expanded rosters is almost a guarantee at this point. And especially the way that that of some of the concessions the players' associations had to make about certain stuff, like the draft just came out of just only having five rounds. I feel like that they they kind of want to keep some bolts in the chamber to be like, all right, we need to create some some jobs here, some guaranteed income. I know that the finances are kind of all in whack of who's going to get paid and how our team's going to make money, but I feel like something's going to have to happen if it's some players just concede some of their salaries or they want to give it to guys or however that goes, it, it probably gets figured out. But it'll be uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see how it all shakes out.
2: Another question that I I don't. You guys tell me if you've heard anything, but is there any plan for what the minor leagues are going to do? And at some point you figure if you come back, there's probably going to be even higher likelihood of injury um, yeah. about baseball this season. And you're going to need players who have played in games and are ready to go. Are, is there going to be any type of minor league circuit or minor league games taking place that will have those players fresh and ready, ready to play and, and jump in at any time?
1: There's been nothing definitive said, at least yeah. what I've seen, Mike. But the sort of the the, the two things that uh, most baseball reporters seem to be putting out there: um, number one, um, uh, a lot of minor league organizations and independent baseball um, are, I mean, facing extremely exigent circumstances. Um, they probably won't exist anymore next year. Um, they have limited. Uh, attendance to begin the overhead you know of of players and concessions and facility costs is is fairly high and there's you know been a movement afoot among a lot of owners I think over um, the past couple years to reduce the number of of minor league affiliates so I mean I've seen numbers as high as 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 many as 25 percent of of minor league organizations Um, could could be no more uh, could be consolidated and then, sort of, to the you know, is there going to be minor league baseball uh, at all this year? Question. Um, I, I I think the answer on the street almost seems to be uh, uniformly no. Um, and the idea is that minor league minor leaguers who aren't traveling or who aren't with with the major league club, you know, whether active rosters or are, are thirty is a number that I've seen a couple of times. I've have you know seen. Uh, proposals that say, you know, anyone who's on your 40-man active um, will, will be eligible to play like it used to be in, in September um, for September call-ups. Um, but and I think the idea is that, you know, minor leaguers would, you know, just be continuing to work out at the team's uh, either Arizona or, or Florida facility and, and would sort of be, you know, waiting in the wings. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't I think it's going to be a heavy enough lift. Um, figuring out what the major league baseball logistics are uh, for this year. And I think throwing in, you know, uh, several minor league affiliates for each team. Um, I, I just can't see how that works out.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I, I haven't seen anything either, and I'm pretty sure it's nothing, – nothing's really been said. Uh, I, in terms of – to Seth's point, in terms of how everything's going to shake out, in terms of minor league teams getting cut and, and who exactly is what leagues and, and where they decide to you know, keep teams. And, you know, if they decide to realign who re, re, even realign triple A, double A, single A and how they want to do all of that. Like they previously did with the Carolina league being a triple A league and then now being single A, um, and teams moved out of that and and, and through it uh, it would be pretty interesting to see how that all shakes out and I think that's a that's a sad side effect of just the delays of everything this year and expedite some of the stuff we heard last fall and have continued to hear through the spring and and yeah I, I don't know in, in terms of those logistics with players i I gotta gotta agree with Seth of that they might the expand rosters have to be a thing if they have to have some sort of practice squad or something like that of guys playing simulated games, something where, you know, if they're, if say they all end up playing in, in, you know, in Florida and in Arizona and, and the Phillies just have a group, you know, a a crop of guys that are constantly playing, playing simulated games and so on and so forth in Clearwater just to keep people fresh and healthy. I feel like that, that has to be something. I feel like that's something Kind of going back to my thought of the of the players' association having a couple of bolts in the chamber. I feel like that's got to be something that they're they're thinking, like, hey, if you know, just to use the Phillies, the Phillies outfield was you know got hurt a ton last year. We need to have guys that would normally be in Lehigh Valley that are ready to go, and it's not fair for us to you know to have a guy get called up when he's hanging out in his home in in state insert city and state here. Uh, and he's been playing with his kids for three months. It's you know it's not fair to have him come at, come out completely cold when someone else's backup has been you know getting getting reps in, pinch hitting, and, and so on and so forth. I mean that's more of a doomsday scenario of of if there is no no practice squad, quote unquote. But it's definitely something to think about, especially when you're trying to keep it fun and fresh. You don't want to think of it as something as devastating as you know a quarterback injury in football or a goalie injury in hockey or a superstar injury in basketball where your season just gets completely tanked because you didn't have guys that baseball is, you know, you didn't have guys that were ready to go when normally in baseball, you, you have an entire farm system of it. So that's kind of where my mind was going with it.
1: I, I, I agree with everything that you said, Jordan. I think one really interesting, and I have to think that the league is, is going to be very flexible when it comes to so. roster uh, allowances and whatnot. You know, I was kind of thinking when all of this sort of first started in, in the context of baseball, you know, if if you kind of have two extremes, you've got, uh, you know, uh, a 20, 21-year-old stud who, you know, is, is – maybe in high A or, or double A and, you know, is, is really a fast riser, but, uh, you know, just, just needs to continue to get reps and needs to continue working. And, yeah, like a Juan and,
0: Soto, like that kind sure. of story. Impossible to happen this year.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, well, so here's – is it, though? Because I, I think one thing that you uh, probably will see, assuming there's baseball and assuming uh, – Major League Baseball allows for expanded rosters, is a lot of really high-end prospects who, under regular circumstances, might not have debuted at all in 2020 or might not have debuted late in 2020, Um, getting a shot because organizations have invested so much in these players, and they want them to get reps in a game. Uh, yeah. and, and there's not going to be another – you know, you can, you can have them throwing 20 simulated games a year. Um, but, I mean, you know, go ahead and tell me that an organization like the Padres with, you know, someone like Mackenzie Gore or the White Sox who, you know, have a ton of young studs. And have or the Tigers. With a, they have a bunch that, of guys, yeah. Blue Jays, you know, all of these organizations that, you know, have, have a ton of pieces waiting in the wings – uh, but these pieces are never going to amount to anything unless they get reps um, against you know really high quality competition, um, and you know the the idea that um, you know you're 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 taking fans out of the equation. I mean, one one could argue that that's you know much more like a minor league setting, even if the competition, sure. uh, you, you know, is 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 very different. I mean, that has to affect. Um, the quality of the competition, um, uh, the, uh, the setting in which you're playing. I mean, there's there's no question that if nothing else, you know, in terms of intensity, um, that is ratcheted up as, as there are more fans and, and as it's a more uh, raucous environment. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, to be perfectly honest, could be one of the really good things and one of the really interesting things that, that, you know, comes from all of this. Um, it's nothing but guesswork, but I just I can't see organizations that you know have top ten, top twenty, top thirty prospects um, letting those prospects um, you know simply spend the entire twenty twenty in the weight room or on backfields taking batting practice off of you know other minor league pitchers in their organization. So that's my two cents about where that could could fall.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, and like Spencer Howard with the Phillies, would he just would he get you know, fast-tracked and not necessarily maybe a fifth a fifth starter. And he was fr- potentially fringe fifth starter if they'd started on time. But would he get that opportunity quicker? Would a guy like Casey Mize get it with the Tigers? Um, you mentioned the White Sox and the Blue Jays and the number number of guys they've had in Triple A that could, you know, make an immediate – could make an immediate impact. And you never know. You know, I mean, to use Juan Soto as an example, he was in Double A and had a meteoric rise and – you know, look look at where he is now. He's a World Series champion, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff that could get thrown out. What do you think is most likely to 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 stick? Because, like, you use tennis as an example. I ha- just just happened upon this as a quick story within a story of last week while waiting to throw on a movie with my fiance. I watched Marble Racing and Lawnmower Racing on ESPN the Ocho. Uh, which was ESPN two, and after, after I made Emily watch the end of Lawnmower Racing because I was enthralled by the half hour program, um, we put on the movie, and when it ended, Sports Center was on, and they showed a highlight of a tennis match that so was basically in a clay tennis court gym, um, and it was just the two players, and there might have been a judge, the guy up in the the lifeguard stand, you know, the John McEnroe screams up at him. Couldn't you say anything? But no ball boy, no – or ball man to, to give Cosmo Kramer his due. Uh, no back judge, anything like that. Um, so they had to go get their – you know, they had to go get the ball themselves. And in that – you know, in that instance, they're – I don't think they changed sides, but they're still touching the ball, which obviously baseball, as socially distant as it is, that's one thing that you do have to think about is they still have to physically touch touch the ball and throw it to one another um but that that was able to work and do you guys think do we like so kind of a two-folded question do you think in terms of the on-field product do you like where do you see umpires coming into this is it a robo ump is that a way that that re- you know rears its head i don't want to say ugly head or beautiful head i don't know how you guys fall on that into into the into major league baseball even as a temporary solution and kind of as a as a further step of of production of where do you see with cameramen and camera women and is it just a static camera that gets set in x number of spots around the ballpark what do you do about broadcasters because in this tennis instance it was just the broadcasters were completely separate from that area they basically were looking live onto a, onto a scene and, and commentating on that. Um, I feel like that's probably, at least for them, that's more likely, but you got to think too, the guys in the truck and all that sort of stuff. Like what do you guys think is going to happen both from, and I'm sorry that I'm long winded with multiple questions, but with umpires and then with production, because you know, it's not just the players we have to worry about here, but it's everyone else that, that helps make, that helps bring it to us and helps make the game, you know, fairly called and
2: officiated. I don't think we're quite ready yet for the robo umpires and having no umpires on the field. Okay. Especially calling balls and strikes. But I could see there being a situation where there's maybe just one umpire and other umpires maybe watching cameras and making calls from from, you know, a box somewhere else not on the field, relaying them to that home plate umpire and that umpire that therefore you know giving those signals on the field. I see that as a possibility. Um, when, when it comes to television and, and cameras and all of that, I think that's another advantage of playing the games in their actual home stadiums. These are very large stadiums. You can bring in cameramen and keep them far away from anybody else and everybody can be safe and, and you can have, you know, a, a minimal, a minimalist operation, but still have it feel like it's, it's a pretty Typical ball, typical telecast. Now, as far as, you know, shots and everything like that, are they going to be tighter shots? Because nothing will look more, like, even though the stadiums will be empty no matter where you play, if you played in a a 7,000-seat stadium in Florida and it's all empty, it's not going to look as bad as if you're playing at Citizen Bank Park and there's 43,000 empty seats. So that might change the way in which they want to shoot the games and tighter shots on the players are they going to interject crowd noise kind of like they do with laugh tracks and different, you know, comms and, and, and whatnot. Um, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that, that could happen with that. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it could, it could accelerate the, uh, plan to go with robot umpires. Uh, but I don't think we're quite quite there yet. Okay.
1: I I tend to think, um, like, I think you're probably right about um, things Things not being quite there in, in terms of all of the pieces being in place. Um, but, but I think I would be less shocked than, than you seem uh, if that were to happen this year, specifically with balls and strikes. And, and I say that in large part because, I mean, if you just think about um, – you, you, know, you, you, you picture a baseball field, the, the only time that players are really – Coming that close to one another, um, if uh, a player is you know stealing a base or there's a close play at the base and the throw is coming into an infielder, um, catcher and batter, which you know unless you're going to have pitchers throw to like those square things that you yeah. use to throw in your backyard, which I don't think is happening. Um, uh, pitch back. Pitch back. There you yeah.
0: go. I was trying to think uh-huh. of the name
1: but you know you, you're also talking about at least a couple of feet um difference there um you know you've you've got your base coaches and you know uh
2: do you have your base coaches
1: so that's a fair question yeah that's, that's a, a fair, fair question. question too yeah. yeah um that's a very fair question i think yes probably um just in terms of because i think you can make you know a really strong argument that um they play a role in player safety um, particularly when it comes to you know sliding and and do I go do I not go um, signs and, and that sort of thing and you know maybe uh, not maybe but you know I certainly think you see uh, uh, reduced interaction mm-hmm. if any interaction at all between those base coaches and and you know runners on first and third but I think they'll uh, probably I, stand
2: I, further yeah, away. I do think yeah.
1: they'll be there. Um, so I, I I actually could very easily picture a scenario of nothing changing other than no home plate umpire calling balls and strikes
2: Interesting. Um, i don't
1: know, i don't know what the technological uh, capacity in terms of you know relaying things to the to the field but i certainly know you know like the last couple of years watching on tv I mean, it's it seemed i, I don't know what uh, NBC sports does with with billy's games uh, but i certainly know on the yes network now i mean you've uh Got, you know, uh, I, I hate the box, but the box is clearly there to stay. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's instantaneous. Um, it's, you know, as soon as the pitch is thrown. So I, I have to imagine that there would be you know quite a bit of capacity to relay those calls uh, in, in real time. Uh, you know whether it's an announcement being made at the stadium. Uh, I don't know how how that information is actually communicated. It's, it's probably easier to relay it, but um, I, I I could see that, and, and, and in large part because you, you think about the one sort of constant that that there is, uh, and that is the home plate umpire more or less breathing down the catcher's neck. Um, and so you know I I certainly. Uh, Baseball, and Mike, you made the point much earlier on that baseball has a lot of inherent advantages when it comes to, you know, being very spread out, uh, wide open. Um, and, and I think that's a great point and a point that I hadn't really thought about. But you know, sort of the one uh, part of that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that that isn't spread out is the home plate umpire catcher proximity. Um, so that's, that's the reason why I could see it happening this year.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting, and I tried to look up the lasting effects of the Atlantic League using it because they were kind of the the testing ground, um, and that's one of said independent leagues you mentioned before that their future is probably in jeopardy. I, I would imagine. Um, I couldn't find anything definitive of, of what people thought, aside from Frank Viola getting thrown out, getting thrown out for arguing with a robot umpire. Um, but. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll be very intriguing to see what it is, and the box has certainly come a long way since when it first got introduced on the playoffs and TBS twelve years ago, and I think in 08, 0, 07 or 08, where it was clearly over the plate and the the box had it as a ball. Um, but yeah, I don't you know that's a really good point. Of it's it would be kind of stupid to have an umpire standing even three feet, let alone six feet behind a catcher trying to make it trying to make any sort of ball or strike call if it's a, you know, coach's pitch guy standing six feet behind the pitcher and has to, you know, dodge ball his way around the, around a comebacker. If that, that that kind of seems a little, little ridiculous to think about. Um, But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what is the lasting effect of any of these sort of rule changes. And I guess, to that effect um, i don't know you know we kind of we kind of went with it with robot umpires but are are there any rules that you guys could see that end up sticking and, and going forward in 2021 assuming that's you know that that might have a delayed start or whatever happens with everything here but you know assuming you know everything goes goes no- normal relatively what could stick in terms of any sort of rule changes
1: i think i mean uh mike you sort of started to make this point and i i I agreed with you um you know i don't uh i certainly think that everything baseball was was either starting to try or or clearly wanting to start to try um is is only going to be accelerated as a result of this um you know it, it seems like forever ago that I don't remember if it was uh, ESPN scoop or maybe it was the New York Post at, at first about the uh, revised playoff structure. Yeah. Um. But you know, given how much tolerance I think there's going to be, as as Jordy pops another can there. Um, cheers. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Given how much you know, I think tolerance there's there's going to be for different. Uh, approaches and, 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 uh, different, you know, mixes and recipes uh, for uh, the playoffs this year. Um, you know, I think you could, could really see, um, things stick in terms of not necessarily regular season alignment, but, but postseason format using this as, as sort of, uh, a, a, a test ground. So I'm not sure what that will be. Um, but, but, you know, sort of if there's an area in which I could see, um, long lasting change emerging from all of this, it would be uh, a playoff structure.
0: Yeah, I would, I'd probably agree with that. I think that, I think that that seven game idea or seven team idea with the, they call it reality twist where they where teams get to choose who they play. I think that probably, I feel like we're, we, we got more and more of, you know, the, the bigger sources in, in baseball. And it's not like there's a, there's, the Woj of, of baseball. I mean, Passon's probably the closest, but isn't, you know, he isn't getting the, he isn't calling out free agencies before, you know, like how Woj calls out draft picks and, and free agencies like, like uh, you guys get what I'm saying, but um, (laughs) with the playoffs, I agree with you. I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do. If basketball and hockey do resume what they do, I think they'll probably – and we talked about this before, basketball still had 20 or something games left. If they decide to just can the regular season, do they just expand it to – do they expand it to 20 teams, 22 teams? Because there was a bit of a race in both the Eastern and Western conferences for those bottom seeds, and it's not fair to throw them out. Hockey had, you know, less than – ten. had around 10 games. Some teams had less. Some teams had, had 10. But, you know, it's not fair to throw out the wild card teams that were in there um so with baseball with an 80 game schedule i mean they've kind of proven that 162 works so do they want to say hey we're going to do 7 in 2021 and going further but this year we're going to do we're going to do 8 we're going to do 9 and we're still going to give the division winners if it's two division if it's four divisions if it's six divisions we're still going to give them a bit of an advantage and figure out something there of a play in round or or how that how that ends up working Um, division winner gets a bye and two and three have to play a three game series to go then play the five game then the seven and seven Um, how that ends up working but I agree with you I think that's probably that's something they test and I think that's in terms of that and scheduling I think baseball schedule is fine but how like how they want to approach double headers I think is probably something that might be might be something that lasts because I feel like That's something that always gets thrown out of like the, you know, what happened to the traditional baseball doubleheader. And I feel like if we get that and especially with the, the rosters already expanded to 26 this year anyway, if they figure out some way of what the right number might be, if it's more um, maybe they figure out a way to then be able to actually have real doubleheaders and then be able to not even be close to, to having to, get that close to halloween with the world series or have more days off for players and potential makeup days for rainouts especially considering how the northeast especially the last couple of years has gotten hit with wacky weather and you know a lot of five game series at least in at least how many times the phillies and mets seem to play five game series over the last couple of years i feel like that's probably the the other likely idea that baseball would try to figure out something to implement
2: I think one thing we know we won't see this year is any day night doubleheaders. Which yes. were I think what the players hated more than anything else, fans were yeah. we're not we're not crazy about it, especially if you happen to have the ticket to the other game that got rained out and you you're going to the one o'clock game and then what are you supposed to do stick around until the seven or seven thirty game and no. if they if that's at least one thing that would happen, come out of this is that they can get rid of the day-night doubleheaders and go back to more traditional doubleheaders, maybe the occasional scheduled one, but just when they have rescheduled games to just play them all in, in the in the traditional format, I think that would be a good thing. Um, Seth makes a very good point about, about postseason format. I think with this gives baseball kind of an opportunity to just run it out there and see, and see if it works and see how people react to it. And, and if people don't like it, their defense can be, well, you know, we had to try something different for, for this season. Um, personally, I was uh, kind of against the 17 proposed playoff format in each league when it came out just because I think it devalues the regular season a little too much for me. I think when you're talking about seven teams in each league, that's 14 out of 30 making the playoffs. I don't know that you could say that all those teams deserve to make the playoffs Sure, and the desire to make it more interesting and to make, um, to make those races better as you get closer to the end of the season and have, have there be the stakes for that one seed and you get a buy. And then you could, you know, if you're the two, three or four, you're hosting the, the first three game series. And that's a huge advantage. And I understand all that excitement, but, but to me, I think it still overall would de- devalue the, uh, regular the regular season. But in a short season like we would be looking at this year, I think you wanna you want to bring more teams in because you didn't have the chance to play that full 162 game slate to really determine who those best teams are. So to err on the side of caution or whatever you want to call it, bring in more teams and have them play. Um because there's just not an opportunity for them to establish themselves as the, the superior team over a long season,
0: yeah, a thousand percent. And, and to your point, how many times have we seen on June first a team's in first and blows it, or the opposite of teams in third place and ends up winning the division? Um, you know, we've you know, I think in going back to '08, I think the Yankees were the Yankees. I, th- I don't think they ended up making the postseason, but they got close. I Think, Seth, you can correct me. Um, but I I remember that the Rays were. They they had that up and down year and then end up obviously winning the, the AL East, but that was it was kind of this topsy turvy year and, and maybe the Red Sox were out of it. Um, but you know, there's plenty of other examples too. And and I mean, I may, I alluded to it, but the 2018 Phillies uh, are a prime example of that. But um, that that all being said, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Of five teams, is I like that number I'm not necessarily still a fan of the one game playoff to kind of go back to I enjoy you know some things in the moment but don't like the lasting effect the wild card game is one of those I've you know we've gotten entertaining wild card games at least one of the two if not both have been entertaining since it got in introduced in 2012 so it's been fun but I would rather see a series because to your point you, know, you played 162 games just to get to a, a playoff game where you might have cleared that team by five games and earned the right to host a home game, but because you know they have a better bullpen, or or what happens, a guy goes off and has has an incredible night. I mean, there's tons of examples. Or the 2015 wild card game we talked about with the Pirates. They're hosting the Cubs. They have the second best record in the National League, and because Anthony Rizzo has this incredible night, they end up going out, and you know the Cubs end up. You know, obviously they end up beating the Cardinals anyway as what would have been the three seed as effectively the five seed um but you know that's that's one area there but all that being said to to emphasize your point of the regular season winning your division I think in baseball as well as in football just given by the number of the percentage of games you play against your interdivision division intra-divisional opponents uh is so much higher than it than it is in basketball and hockey that winning your division matters and I think that's that's important to giving them at the very least a buy and and that's that's part of why I like the like the the five team format or if you wanted to do if you wanted to figure out a way to do six and do it like the NFL because then you'd have multiple you'd have a way to do multiple multiple um wild cards and buys but um maybe that's some way of, of figuring out divisional realignment and whether that's a eight, eight team division and a seven. And if baseball is really that serious about expansion and, and that's something that I feel like is probably going to be put on the table um, because of the Corona and I'd see Seth shaking his head. The only reason why I'm bringing that up is because that's been with hockey expanding both basketball and baseball have been thrown out with that, um, and maybe that's just as a way to, you know, for journalists to have pieces out there of being able to throw it out just for shits and giggles. But um,
1: yeah, the, the reason I'm I'm shaking my head, Jordy, uh, is is not because I uh, I I don't think there uh, was an appetite to to pursue um, expansion in, in Major League Baseball. But I mean, your your question was. Um, you know, what, what structural changes uh, may become the new normal uh, after things you know, start to return back to normal. And, you know, I, I think that there are, you know, these uh, formatting changes that we've discussed. Maybe there are, you know, a few rule changes, robo-umps here and here. But, you know, I, I absolutely think that the uh, much more noticeable change is, is going to be related to the economics of the game um, at, 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 at all levels. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that we can talk about and such. I I do want to come back to one point that you made there, Jory, because it's, it's a really interesting one. And it's one that I've been thinking of a a fair bit, um, recently about, you know, you you have so many examples of, you know, these, these teams that, uh, you know, were sort of Cinderella teams through the first half of the season. Uh, You know, the, uh the 2018 phillies maybe not you know cinderella team but certainly you know uh, came out of the gate on fire yep um and you know you have quite a few of you know any number of, of examples of of the mariners mm-hmm. you know that that kind of seems to be uh their playbook uh, The
0: pre-christian yelich brewers for that for a bit
1: yep yep no so you have any Aside from the,
0: the peak uh years
1: examples and you know. I I guess I wonder two things and I, I mean, there's, there's, there's no way to measure this um, and and there's no way to see how, you know, it might play out until it actually plays out. But but I kind of wonder two things. I, I wonder number one, how a player's mindset might change um, because no one can say to me with a straight face that the average player in, in Major League Baseball puts in as much effort or is as laser focused for uh, in, in a late March, early April game than they are for a uh, uh, you know, mid to late September game in the thick of a pennant race. Um, I mean, I think the intensity um, and the level of play is, is just so much higher. And that's not just due to the fact that teams have have had a full season under their belts to you know tighten up the screws and and loosen up and everything so i I do wonder you know if that has any sort of uh effect on you know just to the naked eye the quality of competition earlier on and and then i I think yeah. you have to throw in uh, professional athletes thrive on playing in front of fans and and these you know are players who it's been a long time for a lot of these, like look at, look at an older player, like a Brett Gardner or, or a Charlie Morton or an Edwin Encarnacion who, you know, been in the major leagues for, uh, you know, all of them well over a decade now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been a really long time for any of them since they've, you know, played games where, you know, it's just, uh, you know, mom and dad on a travel AAU team or, or something like that. And that's essentially what you're going back to uh, with, with all of this. and, I, I, I have to think that, um, you know, once sort of the novelty of it wears off and, you know, Mike, you, you mentioned some, you know, interesting ideas about, you know, things that, that you might be able to do with, you know, do you do a, a laugh track? Uh, you know, if a player makes an error or something along those lines. Yeah. I meant to say I meant to say soundtrack, but I said laugh track, so I had yeah, to. And uh, that's like well, I, that's uh, how
0: creative they could get. To your point, though, like yeah, no, jokes I, aside, like you could you could figure out ways to try to do special effects if you wanted do to.
1: Special effects. I mean, yeah, like, uh, you know, I think one really easy thing. You know, we see uh, you know mic'd up games during spring training, and we see the All Star Game being mic'd up. I would have yeah. to think among the players, you know, there would be a. Uh, a lot of players who, you know, be, be glad to do something like that. Yeah. you you know, John Boy is going to have, uh, actually John Boy might be put out of business cause everything's going to be mic'd up. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, he's, he's going to have a field day with, with, you know, there being no fans and, and, you know, Mike's being able to, uh, to, to, to capture everything. Um, but, but I just have to think that, um, the dynamic is, is going to be so different and, um, It'll just be really interesting to see how different players react in terms of uh, uh, from fr- from an effort perspective.
0: That's a really good point because that's like to use basketball as an example of like that was something that thrown out of like where could games get played if it wasn't just the bubble idea that that um, you know has been thrown out a number of different times. But like one idea I thought could have been cool and just an interesting idea just to keep things light and keep things fun was like the Sixers, you know, using the palestras as a smaller gym. And that's been, that's been a, a more popular idea of using like high school and college gyms around their respective areas. But like considering the history of the palestra has with basketball, but to that point and, and kind of thinking to the next level of like, would a, a guy who is more fresh from playing from the minors and was a rookie last year, would they have more of a, would they be able to, to I guess the reverse of would they be able to tune out the silence? As, as oxymoronic as that sounds because they're more used to it or like in basketball, would a, a guy who came from a mid-major or as a, either, you know, whether it's CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard, who have both been in the league for closer to a decade or a rookie um similar to the baseball thought like are are they more primed to to thrive under that sort of thing because you you have to think to your point that like a closer who's used to the used to the home crowd being on their feet for the entire bottom half of the night or top half of the ninth inning um or even away in the bottom half of the ninth inning and and dealing with the adversity of the crowd of the away crowd noise and kind of thriving off of that is, is that going to affect how they come out and and how they play and, and kind of not to say it's like wrestling where heroes and villains are etched out that way, but being able to, to put themselves into the hero mode of knowing that they need to get a single to get a guy in from second base, to tie it, win it, whatever, or, you know, be the villain and, and take that away from them and, and make that diving play in the outfield or shortstop or wherever. I mean, that's a really good point. And, and, I originally, I kind of thought, you know, maybe not, but you're right. Brett Gardner's played at Yankee stadium for over a decade. He was on that Oh nine team. So it's at least, this is at least his 13th or 14th year in the majors and has played, has played in New York where, you know, that place Yankees can be, Oh, and 162 and they're going to sell it out. I mean, he's used to 40,000 plus. So how's he going to respond to it? That's, I mean, as as much as I dismissed it by myself, I mean, you made a really compelling point. I think that's, that is going to be something that, you know, regardless of how it's presented to us at, at home is going to, is going to affect things.
1: So, so I think uh, this, this conversation sort of concludes with, with the point that we just uh, crown, I don't know if it's, it's maybe we crown the two Florida teams co-champions this year. CC Sabathia made this point, so I I I have to give uh, credit where where credit was due. But uh, he he was basically asked, you know, how strange is this going to be, Uh, you know, uh, playing uh, without fans? And without missing a beat, he said, you know, I pitched for for the Yankees from 2009 to 2019, and we played 18 games in Tampa every year. So I know what it's like playing uh, with no fans.
0: Seth I think I've told you this but Mike my dad was a huge Yankee fan and he figured out that it was that it definitely was cheaper for a regular season game to fly to Tampa to go see the Yankees play the Braves down there but when the Phillies were playing them he figured out it was still cheaper to buy tickets in Tampa to see the Phillies play there and it was and comparatively to to a tickets at Citizens Bank Park You could buy plane tickets in a hotel room and it was still cheaper to go to the games there because the demand was just non-existent
1: in the trap. And the trap is, you know, the trap. But you would have to listen to the cowbell, which to me is. Oh yeah, you're right. That fucking thing. An additional $500. uh,
0: That's the only ALA stadium I'm missing to check off. And I, I kind of want to wait until they become the Montreal Bay Rays and just say, Fuck it and go up to Montreal and that counts.
1: Go to like a really poorly lit Neely's furniture and, and uh, go like to the third floor and look at some ugly carpets or cheap AstroTurf and you've been to the trap.
0: <laughs> I love that they play a bowl game there. And it's just like, yeah, it's, I mean, that play, we could, I feel like we could do an a investigative, investigative journalism piece on the trap, and that would just be, it would be up for an Emmy for best comedic half hour special. that's right yeah um but so we had a couple other things on our on our pre-show notes um these are kind of both in the same regard but we'll start with free agency and, and kind of things that get kind of you know put up in the air with everything um you know 2021 depending on where this season goes whether it's a you know 100 games 80 games 40 games and it's called or 40 games and they say, you know, or they decided to do a, a 30 – what would it be? 58-game round robin, double round rob, rob. I'm just throwing out ideas. But it's not a full season. And you're not letting guys who are either on the last year of a contract or guys who are in arbitration like a JT Um You're not letting guys get their get their ideas out there. They're guys who are on the last year of their contract anyway. Um, I mean, are, is how much is that going to affect free agency? Are there guys that are getting screwed out of a contract year? I mean, where do you guys fall on that? I mean, how are teams going to go with it? Seth, you made the comment with the economics of it. So I'll, we'll start with you and, and what you think is maybe not necessarily a lasting effect. Cause it might just be just this upcoming winter, but what do you think about all of this?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I guess the short answer would be, are there, you know, if the question is, are there going to be players uh, getting screwed? I think the answer has to be yes. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless, you know, I, I certainly think um, in terms of, you know, players who are going to be hitting the open market uh, after, you know, this this upcoming season, so free agents to be in, in 2021, um, the JT Real Mudos, the the Mookie Betts, Mookie betses Mookie Betts, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Charlie Mortons, the Trevor Bowers, um, you know, those, those, those types, um, with, with maybe Mookie being the one exception, uh, because I think, uh, you know, he is in, in that extreme upper echelon of, of, of talent today, and especially of, of talent that, you know, is still well below 30, um, I, I, absolutely um, teams are are you know uh, clearly tightening their belts and, and 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 they've done that already I think there's going to be a lot more reticence both to give out big short term um, contracts um, but but even more so um, to give out uh, any sort of long term contract uh, revenue streams are, are you know, so questionable, so up in the air. Um, even if major league stadiums uh in 2021 start having uh fans back, we have no idea uh what form that's going to take. You know, without a, a vaccine, we have no idea if, if people are going to be willing to show up uh in in droves. So the the more uncertainty that there is, Um, I think both the more uncertainty you're going to see um, on, on the part of owners um, and, and sort of the more, you know, I'm I'm using uh, quote fingers here now, the more outs that owners are going to have, um, you know, to be able to go back and, and, you know, say to their fans, well, um, money's really tight and uh, we, we we can't dip our toes into free agency at all right now. Um, So, so, you know, I, I, absolutely think it's, it's going to have, um, have a tremendous effect. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think from a player perspective, there's a single, um, example, um, that, that you could cite uh, in which this benefits a free agent. I think that there are probably some players uh, you know, perhaps a Nolan Arenado or a Christian Yelich or even a Stanton uh, along those lines, uh, Bryce Harper, who look incredibly smart right now yeah. uh, because they, you know, lock themselves up up long term uh, with what you know, many viewed at the time as very team friendly deals. And, and now I think look increasingly like very player friendly deals. So that's that's sort of my long written answer to, to that question.
0: No, that's that's incredibly insightful, and it's a really good, really good thought to think about it. Because I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of players that are kind of screwed out of out of stuff, and how do teams and agents approach the the previous market value that would have been, you know, being a free agency after 2019? But Mike, what do you think about all this?
2: I, Seth makes a lot of great points. Uh, I I agree with most of them, and I would say that the economics of baseball wasn't necessarily in a great place before this all started. And I can see this being the catalyst to kind of blowing the whole thing up and redoing everything Um, when it comes to players being drafted. And, you know, you have guys who are all stars and, and then the running for league MVP making the league minimum because they're it's their first or second year in the majors. And then you have other guys, who have been paid for previous performance who are making 25 30 million dollars at the end of their career and not really contributing and 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 you know it, it, in a lot of ways it doesn't make much sense and I think that the, the players are gonna you know they're gonna fight for their interest know, they're gonna fight for their interest but it, it might just change everything completely and I don't know what you would do with contracts that have been previously signed I'm sure they, they have to be honored in some way which you know as as Seth said about guys like like Harper and Stanton who signed those extremely long deals. They look great now because they have all that security. Yeah, Um, But it's it's not going to be status quo. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting to think about, too, of like ballpark employees and how teams have approached all that. Like, do those guys, do they feel a need? And and not that I'm calling for any Stanton, Harper, whomever that's making a lot of money to pay – I don't think Bryce Harper should say, you know, if he wants to, great. But if he said – I'm not saying he needs to pay X number of his $33 million a year to help with the Citizens Bank Park employees who are not – you know, they're not doing anything because Citizens Bank Park is closed, Wells Fargo Center is closed, um, and, you know, so on and so forth, where else they might be doing their their business. But, you know, how – like, do they approach that or do teams kind of say – Hey, you know what? Like, you know, do they try to come up with some sort of deal of we'll honor this? But can you help? You know, can we help you out? It can you help us out? And we pay you off. You know, do they restructure deals? It'll be really interesting to see how that all happens. And and I think you're right. I think this is all going to blow it up to to a point of there's going to be some imbalance of guys who have these previous deals, like a Harper, a Stanton, um, you know, whoever, you know, other guys that long term deals Um and how everything goes from there and and if guys are resigning for less than they previously were making guys that are on the last year of their deals or maybe signed a, a two or three year deal in this previous off season or the off season of 2018 um, it's going to be really interesting though, to see how it goes. And do you guys think like the big market teams are going to have this, this upswing and, and small market teams are going to be kind of SOL for a couple of years or, do you think they have a shot as long as they still have the talent and, and guys aren't coming up? Or where do you guys kind of fall on that, just kind of building off of the, these thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, they'll still, they'll still have the revenue sharing and everything from the league. So I, I think, you know, the, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates and Miami Marlins of the world, you know, they're, they, they're, they're small market teams, but they're making plenty of money and they can okay. go out and sign more players than, than they do. They just, Pittsburgh, there's the fan pressure, but they, they kind of ignore it. Miami, there's no pressure to win now at all um but 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 i think you'll you'll see a little bit of of what you suggested with with the 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 big big market powerhouses going out and trying to win now and and maybe taking advantage even more so than normal of of the the smaller clubs that aren't going to spend yeah Um, going back to our conversation about uh free agency this upcoming year i think as you know you guys both said you're not going to see but any players really benefit off of this it's probably going to hurt them i think we'll see a lot of one-year deals as a result because the players are going to want to give themselves a chance to shine and get that that big deal that they think they deserve and they think they can earn uh if they play a full season and kind of let the economics of baseball kind of figure itself out because they don't know if it if it's going to be better if it's going to be worse what's going to happen And you're going to have players that are uncertain and owners that are uncertain, so you might see more of an appetite than normal for one-year deals. I like it.
1: I think think that that's true, Mike, and I totally agree. And it's kind of ironic that the year in which that's going to be happening is the year in which Trevor Bauer is is hitting free agency. And Trevor Bauer famously declared uh, a couple years ago that when he first hits free agency, um, he's never going to sign ever a multi-year contract. It will be one-year contracts. Uh, with, with every team that he's essentially going to bet on himself uh, year to year. So I think that there's a, a pretty amusing irony there. I would actually, though, um, I, w- while I agree with you 110%, but I think a lot more players are going to be entering the market looking for um, one-year contracts, sort of the you D.D. Know, Gregorius uh, mold, yeah. or even like the Nelson Cruz um that's not that's a good, good point dd D, 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 D is probably like the example from uh, from from this off season. um
0: cruzo is a good one from like you know a few years ago a couple
1: years ago yeah, yeah yeah um but um i i on the flip side of that i think you're probably going to see a lot of players um and i could even see like a mookie or a lindor or even the real muto um uh, are, are sort of some prime examples that come to mind saying, you know what, um, I, the economics, uh, they might be bad right now, but they're only going to get worse. Even, even if uh, the idea of locking it up um, for, for Mookie, um, you know, for the next 10 years, um, the, the, the dollar amount might look very different and probably would um, today or, or next year than it would have a couple of years ago. I could totally see someone like that saying, you know what? Um, $260 million over 10 years is a, is a nice chunk of change. And, and I'm going to be all set. And yeah. uh, why don't I take that and go somewhere where I know, uh, you know, I'm going to be playing with a competitive team for, for a long time. And obviously I mean, he would face tremendous pressure from, from the union not to do something like that and, and to take, um, you know, something that that even the shorter term is a higher AAV, um, but but I I do think that there will be cases like that in in which players um, opt for security, um, given the uncertainty um, that that the sport and that all sports really face face us uh, on the whole moving forward.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point because. I think you're right in throwing out those names. I feel like real Muto is probably the most likely to try to lock himself up just from knowing he's the best of, you know, what major league catchers have to offer and say, you know, if, if he wants to go that route and say to teams like lock me up long-term, he kind of has – he has a little bit of carte blanche to do that. The The example I can closely think of, and obviously this is the most unique sporting example I think we'll experience in our lifetimes, but – it's kind of how the NBA cap went up and down through through the start of that ESPN deal, and then the cap went up, and then it kind of went down, and we saw the max go up. It went down, and then there's the super max. So there's some guys, like CJ McCollum signed a really good deal, and then the next year there's other guys that are not able to get that level of money, and some guys thought they were worth more, so they went to other teams. It'll be very intriguing to see how, how players approach the offseason. I feel like We'll see more one-year deals, but we'll probably see maybe the bigger names. Maybe some some guys that you know they have a great year. They've had maybe building off of a solid 2019. I'm trying to think of somebody that of, of someone that's hitting the market that that qualifies here. That's not a you know a superstar superstar quality name, but that just says fuck it. Let's sign let's sign a four or five-year deal for 100 million. Get 20 years 20 20. $20 million a year. Um, it's really combining words there. But that just decides to say it to, to get their worth and, and go forward. But mostly I feel like we'll see guys bet on themselves, especially you made the really good point about the union. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure there to say, hey, you know what, we're in this huge unknown. We don't be – it'll be – there's so, so many question marks about trying to reset the market. And the example I can think about that is NFL quarterbacks who have signed the biggest quarterback contract. And is it really like Matt Stafford signing the biggest quarterback contract at the time he did, was he really worth signing the biggest one? And it's just, it happens to be when guys hit the market that way. I feel like the, the MLB players association is going to be the opposite of that of saying there are so many question marks about on this, that for you to reset the market at this level, like we, we might be setting ourselves up for failure that, we can't get so you know someone at this position to then follow up with that because only 6 of the 30 teams can afford to do it and 5 of them have a second baseman third baseman whatever position it is i feel i feel like that's probably some a lot of conversations that are going to be had between union members or union officials and or agents or teams kind of that way of of maybe discouraging or encouraging one-year deals and maybe discouraging moving from team to team. I don't know if they come up with some sort of idea of an advantage of a team being able to re-sign a guy uh, like the NBA's started to implement. I don't know if that becomes a thing. That could be a really intriguing idea that gets thrown out there. Um, But I guess moving on, we threw out some other storylines that are, that, you know, free agency, I feel like, The economics of it is is an incredible conversation, but there's a lot of other stuff that coming into 2020, we are really in the off season had really, we, a lot of the sports world had been focusing on obviously the Astros cheating scandal, but there's a lot of other stuff too, that I feel like we kind of missed out on, uh, especially without fans of a couple of these stories, guys that made huge moves to big teams, whether it's Mookie getting traded to LA Garrett Cole signing with the Yankees, um, the Astros' fallout obviously is you know that's on its own on its own planet. But a lot of these have to do with fans, and I feel like without fans, we we aren't going to see the the booing aspect of it with the Astros or how Garrett Cole responds to going to New York or Mookie going to the National League. But I mean, do you guys think that? I guess like that is a greater question. How do you think that that baseball would be covered? from a distance as more talk, you know, as, as it becomes just more talking heads than it is guys in the locker room and all of these different stories, whether, you know, whether it is Cole or Mookie or the Astros, how do you think these are all going to be presented in, in a
1: 2021 media cycle? I think the former uh, baseball writer gets to take this one.
2: It's well. It's just going to be a shame because all of those things that you mentioned were a thing that, as a baseball fan, I was looking forward to. And there's no other way to say they're just. It's just going to lose its luster, you know. Cole's going to make his debut with the Yankees, not in front of any fans. And he'll, he'll pitch again when there are fans, but it won't be the same. The Astros are going to play games, and there won't be any fans to boo them. And then when they come back and I'm sure that first series that they play in the Bronx with fans is going to be a raucous one, but it's not going to be quite the same effect across the whole country that we would yeah. have had before uh, coronavirus. Um, you're, you're going to see a, you know, a team. I don't feel too bad because of my dislike for this team, but you know, the Nationals aren't going to be able to celebrate their World Series, their first World Series victory, in the same way because. They, I, I saw they already announced they're not going to have any ring ceremonies or anything like that until, until their, their fans are back. But they're, they're going to miss out on that opportunity as well. And it's just nothing is going to – you're going to kind of lose that effect and you can't get any of that back. It's just, it's just not going to be the same. And, you know, there, there are more important things going on in, in the world and people have bigger problems. But uh, um, So it'll be nice to have baseball back at all, but there's some things that we're just not going to be able to get back.
0: Yeah. That's kind of a shame for Washington. I mean, think about that one of like, you know, I'm assuming that games aren't, we're not going to be able to go to a baseball game until 2021, sadly, but someone else, uh, you know, the Nationals could repeat, but someone else wins the World Series. And, you know, the Nationals have fans at Nationals Park and they're like, oh, well, you know, the last time you saw us, we won the World Series. And, like, do I'm sure the Nationals fans are going to be excited about it, but how does the, re- how does the rest of the sports world respond to that? Do we have to kind of give them a pass because of this wacky season? That's a really good point. And, and I don't know. I mean, as a, you know, as a fan of a team in the NL East, you know, I'm kind of fine with, with the nationals winning to be frank, because I just dis I dislike the Mets and, and Braves so much more that nationals have just always kind of been there. And even when they've been solid, you know, of us, you know, if they'd won if they had won a series with Bryce Harper, I'd been happy. You know, I'd be happy. It was kinda of funny. It was kind of fun, not funny, to see them make a bit of a run and, and be this team to defy all odds. Um and ultimately end up winning the World Series. But yeah, that's that's a really good point. Seth, where do you fall on all this?
1: I yeah, I I, I agree uh with, with everything that Mike said. I was I was smiling, um, Jordy, when you kept using the uh uh, ex- expression Nationals fans.
0: Uh, I'm glad you said uh, that. That's uh. <laughs> I don't want to sound petty as an as a fan of a fellow NLE team. <laughs> uh,
1: and and I know that Mike has some opinions on this as well. And I I tend to agree with uh yeah. with him mostly. I will also say that I I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed seeing the Astros lose for sure. Yeah. Uh, um. In the World Series and the, the Nationals. You know, as 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 a baseball fan. Um, as a fan of the game, it's, you know, it's, as a fan of sports, it's easy to root for the underdog, right? Yeah. They had some, uh, some narrative going for them, uh, as well, certainly. Um, no, but I, I, I agree with what Mike said. It'll be, you know, certainly very interesting from how, um, baseball writers and and sports reporters generally, um, cover this, you know, are there going to be this sort of regular traditional game recaps? Yeah. um, I, I think it probably goes without saying that clubhouse access is, is, you know, is thing of the past. Yeah. Um, whether it ever comes back. Because, yeah. Uh, once, once uh, organizations uh, have gotten rid of reporters from, in you know, this sort of an all access area um, for, for a certain time, uh, even when things start to return to normal, who knows if that, that returns to normal or yeah. returns to, to what it was like beforehand. So I think game recaps, you know, will be, be really interesting. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, news organizations, A, if news organizations just have the resources to devote um, to covering all of this. Um, and, and, you know, B, is there going to be, you know, sort of more feature human interest type coverage, you know, uh, uh uh, Joe Girardi brought his own hot dog into the dugout. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, this, guy, to...
0: this guy came to LA in the off season and has already had his charity. Like th- those kind of, I know exactly. exactly. What you yeah. yeah, those kind of stories. Yeah. Like, are those um, are those pieces going to come out? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I, I think you know it's it's a question that I'm sure is is being uh, discussed among a lot of sports writers and and in a lot of newsrooms right now and. I'm sure you know it's it's going to be something that evolves. I'm I'm really curious at. I mean, I I don't know about the two of you, but um, even though so, like the, putting putting a mask on and and going outside still just feels fucking weird to me. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I I do it and it's become more routine, but it still feels really weird. Um, as as does all of this, and I I have to think that. We're going to be thinking that same thing. Uh, if if you know, let's say baseball starts in July, I, I have to think that you know, watching it through you know September and and October, uh, it's still going to be really weird. Uh, it, it'll be maybe a little bit less weird, or uh, it, there won't be as many surprises, if you will. Um, but it's 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 still just going to be sort of a very out-of-body type experience. I, I will say, I mean, very, very frankly and, and very upfront, I, I per, and I'd be curious to hear hear what you two have to, to say about this, but I, I don't know how I'm going to react to seeing uh, baseball without fans. Um you know, of course I'm going to watch, um, you know, earlier on in the season and I'm sure throughout because what else is there to do at night? Yeah, exactly. Um, during all of this. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to react, you know, a playoff game. Uh, is it going to, you know, of course it's not going to be the same, but, but is it even going to feel remotely similar from a competitive Uh, perspective than it would have if if the game were being played at Yankee stadium or, or in Tampa or, or in Houston, something along those lines. And I, I don't know how I'm going to react. And and if, 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 you know, what, what the level of interest there is, is going to be. Um, So it's just uh, not going to know until it happens, but what do you both think about that out of curiosity?
0: Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, It'll be very weird to see it. And I can't think of the closest example of watching something without fans. Like I, I w- would love to throw out like, even like those college basketball early tournaments that are in, you know, the Bahamas one, there's the one in Hawaii, like those at least have fans. There's noise, there's stuff going on. There's still
2: people there.
0: Yeah. There's still people there. Um, so like it will be very strange of hearing how clearly you can hear the ball hitting a catcher's glove on a on you know a, either a swing and a miss or a you know a taken pitch or how clearly the bat is going to sound hitting the ball um, you know whether how mic'd up that general area previously was it's going to be exponentially louder same thing with with making plays and, and hearing grunts and everything there and. That's the only reason why I brought up the basketball stuff is because, you, you know, in those types of tournaments you hear a lot more of the squeaking of shoes, you know, on a basketball court. But it's going to be really weird to kind of get used to that that level of noise and, and whether it's because there's, you know, the, you know, microphones that are that are just kind of putting the, you know, position to try to get as much noise as possible or guys are mic'd up, you know, whether it's, you know, the the same... You know, same thirty guys for each of the teams that want to do it every game, or they rotate it between rookies because that's some sort of some form of you know, rookie initiation, or or what it happens to be. I know that you know Mike Trout likes to do it. I know that Anthony Rizzo has has been a guy that loved to do it, and he had some great clips in spring training as as Seth and I sent each other clips throughout our uh, Instagram chat with our softball team. But you know, it is going to be a really weird, really weird is, is an interesting, interesting phrase to use, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun and and weird to see how this all, this all shakes out because it's going to be unique. It's going to be different and how it all goes, I think comes back to the lasting effects question that we talked about before. And, and is, is some of it going to stick? Is it going to become, you know, how quickly even week to week, is it going to change? and I think the first week of the season is probably going to be different than then the end of the first month and that's going to be different than what the middle middle quote-unquote of the season looks like and especially by the time the playoffs roll around they'll they'll I think the 30 different markets will have kind of filtered what worked what didn't worked and Fox and TBS are gonna come up with different ideas of this is how we're gonna do it and I don't know if Joe Buck's going to sit in his house in in St. Louis and and call it from there, or if he's going to actually travel down to Arizona or whatever league Fox ends up getting, whether it's it's still the American league or the, they get the cactus league or, or the grapefruit league or the, you know, the wisdom league, if they want to just start naming, you know, throwing out random names, Um, how that ends up shaking out. is all, it's all going to be really interesting. And it's, you know, how the season, how the season goes, it's, it's going to be fun. It's and I feel like this is definitely uh, one for the history books that a lot of people are going to point out to things that baseball got right and things that baseball got wrong that you know might have serious effects or minor effects. Uh, I know that was kind of a chalky answer, but yeah. it's going to be it's going to be fun. It, it'll be fun to see baseball, but it's going to be I'll watch it and I'll watch it throughout both as a baseball fan and as a sports fan. And I feel like that's at least the one thing baseball has going for it is that no matter what the NBA and the NHL end up doing and when they, if they, if they decide to resume and when they ultimately finish, um, you know, at least baseball, assuming they can not, you know, assuming they can finish, they'll have some sort of market to do that. And because we've been depraved of live sporting events, aside from, you know, a few other things, the Korean Baseball League included in there. I feel like people are going to be going to be interested in watching it. So that's at least one thing that if you're Fox or TBS, you got to be happy about there or, or even ESPN, who you can say what you will about Sunday night baseball and the regional coverage that they show, but they're probably pretty excited. They at least have some sort of baseball deal in place.
2: It probably won't be going out fans probably won't be going out on Friday nights and going to dinners and missing first pitches and people will be working from home and they will be able to tune in at one o'clock and watch those games. And it's going to be really weird. Some people are are going to discover a newfound love of sports. Other people are going to realize that, Hey, it's been two, three months without sports. I don't really need to watch sports all the time Mm. and how that's all going to shake out. It's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be a curiosity, especially at first. But it'll be interesting to see how those those numbers go of people watching as the season progresses.
0: Is the Facebook model of doing, like, a of Facebook Live or an Instagram Live, like, could that possibly gain any more traction in, in the strange broadcast style that it was? Like, could that possibly become more norm in this type of year? Like, could you see Major League Baseball trying to do do more of that to, like, Capture a younger audience
2: absolutely yeah there's, there's, there's no reason not to. I mean there are a lot of things there are a lot of issues with those in, in the past, I guess, and a lot of people didn't like it and and you know there are media rights deals and with streaming and, and uh, tel- televising different games and whatnot that would have to be overcome, but I mean, sure, making it more interactive, making people feel like they can't go to the games now, that yeah. they can participate in some way. I think that, that would have a, a positive effect overall.
0: Yeah, that's actually, and you, you using the word interactive made me think of this. To go back to me, the last sporting event I went to, the XFL, they had an app that was basically to be interactive within the game. And it was, they, they, I don't think you deposited money, and I didn't want to burn my phone battery, so I didn't download the app, but it was basically betting on prop bets throughout the game of how would this, would this drive end and punt, touchdown, field goal, Mm-hmm. Turnover, whatever, and it was basically just to play along for points. And I feel like that kind of thing, you know, I don't want to say people are going to gain gambling additions and lose all their money because that would suck. But like that sort of like to take fantasy sports to that next level. And obviously, there's DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever daily fantasy site you like to use. There's that aspect to it. But even within the game, to use Seth's words, there's you know, there, what else are we going to do? Does, like, there were those apps that came out I, I think it was called Preplay, that, and I remember doing it during a Stanley Cup final game I think it was when the uh when the Kings beat the Devils and it never really stuck it was kind of it was this own it was its own thing and I think they tried to do with football and it kind of flopped but if that sort of thing came back I feel like that could be something that helps to drive that sort of interactive thing so I don't know if you're right that the the Facebook model I remember the Phillies had a couple games there that was just I think they even got John Cruck on one of them, and it was yeah, they had enough, they had another they had whoever they were playing, they had their guy on it was kind of it's the the why you know the the why Joe Buck has disliked you know logic of this isn't our guy, so fuck this guy um but however that goes, I feel like having a comment section. You know, I don't think Twitch has become this this norm that the populace has flocked to to watch people play NHL, FIFA, and MLB the show, NBA 2K. And I feel like the pl- those players leagues that they had did, you know, okay, but not they weren't massively They were popular. curiosity.
2: Yeah, so they, were, they were curiosity. People, people tuned in, and and you know, maybe a handful stuck around. But I think most people moved on.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah, the, the reason I bring that up is like Twitch is is that's much more niche than it is anything else. So, it'll be it'll be incredibly intriguing how baseball treats this season and how they want to do it. There's obviously a lot of room to get creative, but they'll have to be smart about how creative they get.
2: Yeah, so, go ahead, Mike. No, it just goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time. It's time for baseball to – it's a great opportunity to take some chances and, and see what works and see what doesn't because people are going to be willing to accept these errors and things that are imperfect because, hey, baseball's back. That's That trumps everything else.
1: Yeah. Jordy, did you have any other uh, big topics that you want to cover? Because if not, I have uh, a really good uh, – thing to bring up to sort of bring this full circle. Uh
0: the only one that I had written down was the Korean League. And I have barely checked it out. I did a I did a DraftKings thing. Yeah. So I yeah. You haven't checked
2: it
1: out. Yeah.
2: There's a team Um, called KT Wiz that that's obviously my team, but other than that (laughs) solid. I like it. All right. I
1: think I think you need to change your fantasy name, Mike.
2: I, I will be changing the name and the logo. I'll be adopting it for sure.
1: Especially, especially if uh, anyone on that team, and I'm sure they do, have uh, one great thing about the uh, Korean League, uh, amazing backflips.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, the funniest is that, that DraftKings has a thing, and I like I have free tickets from playing NBA and shit on that. So I did one, and I just picked guys who all had MLB hats on their headshots, being like, oh, if they, even if they played for the Orioles, at least they played in the majors. It did okay. Um, Aaron Altair, former Philly, though, hit a home run on like Wednesday night, which I,
1: I saw that. Excited to see
0: that for our boy.
1: I so Mike, I, I think I had mentioned this to you, but uh, credit to Jordy for uh, uh, turning me on to g- degenerate status when it came to uh, sport online sports books. Um, though I uh, I I withdrew everything that I had uh, in in Fanduel because I. Uh, at least at this point uh something uh with betting on fanless professional sports just just doesn't doesn't interest or intrigue me maybe I'll react differently when those sports are actually being played uh, but you know I kind of figured I've, I've got you know a lot of money just hanging around here. Uh, better just, just, just you know, take it out for now. Yeah, but well. Um, so you know, we we, we started talking about um, you know different different site based location based uh, possibilities, and and I had so this this thought had occurred to me um, in the back of my mind, and and we started talking about something else, so I didn't bring it up, but uh, I have an absolutely perfect. Uh, sort of pegged to, to to bring this up now. So Major League Baseball's Instagram account, this is the first, I just pulled up Instagram for the first time in this conversation. And it was the very first thing that popped up. And it is uh, an overhead drone video of active construction on the Field of Dreams site in Iowa, where the Yankees and White Sox are <laughs> going to uh, be, be playing, uh, I think it was just a two game series this summer. How awesome would that be for either playoff games in Iowa. Just I'm just I'm just putting
2: the thought out there. It, it would it would be pretty cool. It, it, it might be a little cold in Iowa in I don't know. On Thanksgiving I, or, or December. I uh, think so. I'm not,
1: i I I I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would um
0: I've only been out there once. My the fraternity I was in in college used to be based in Iowa City where the University of Iowa is. Uh, and that was uh, like late march maybe maybe even april for 1- no it was spring break in high school or in uh, in college so um it had to be in, in march um yeah it was pretty cold then so yep. i'd imagine the fall would get would get fairly cold there i know the cubs triple a team plays there in that general area near the field of dreams field um so that's at least something to to base off of the field itself, I mean, you know, if that ends up being, I I could see that end like they the, that's like a they use it for the one time thing and then the Iowa Cubs play like half their games there or something because that isn't far from Iowa City. I know that because the the people who worked in the I was in Delta Kai and the people who used to work in the Delta Kai headquarters are extras and drove their cars at the end of Field of Dreams which at the time of its shooting was called Shoeless Joe. So they actually have a signed Shoeless Joe poster
1: by Kevin Costner, who was a Delta Chi. Um, Honestly, uh, maybe you just do one of those divisions there. What, what better place? Like, so, you know, put four or five teams, on, uh, you know, uh, than, you know, uh, among a bunch of cornfields um you know assuming everyone tests negative for for the coronavirus coming into it probably players not players of the corn
0: what's that players of the corn
1: players of the corn yeah something yeah. along those lines um I, I i'm obviously being a little bit facetious but um i i think it just kind of comes back to this idea that um you know uh where there's a there's also opportunity, and, and there's a lot of opportunity if there's going to be baseball in, in 2020 to try some Have know, fun really with out there, really fun, really creative things.
0: Yeah, I mean, that and that I think that's what it all boils down to is how they ultimately decide to do it. And if they figure out that they decide to use the Montgomery Biscuits minor league stadium as you know something or insert a you know one of those double a southern league teams or a texas league team that's what that's what works out as a, a potential site and they figure out hey you know to go back to because there's obviously two teams in texas already but going back to montgomery like hey alabamans they've been missing sports a ton and maybe baseball works there and if a team ultimately that you know has to move or if they do decide to expand i know that was a point of contention before but you know maybe that becomes an idea and and we figure out that you know those those states which are not represented in any sort of major sport end up becoming something and it's a you know it's it'll be very it'll be fun to see what works what doesn't work it's going to be it'll be cool to to kind of sit here at the end of 2020 assuming they play a full season which you know it, it is up in the air as optimistic as I can be I I have to say that your, your thought is not, it's not dismissed in my mind. It's, it's certainly a, they could start it and stop and, and never come back like in this limbo period, the NHL and NBA are in or this hopelessly optimistic role. The NFL has been in and, and they obviously have thrown out a couple of different contingency plans of if they do have to delay the start and how they want to address that. Um, I'm kind of excited to see it if it does continue of how they approach it, because it's going to be something that if you're, if you're not keeping yourself updated with it, that it, you might miss something and you might think that, you know, kind of going back to some of the, you know, controversial stuff, you know, controversial rules and calls that umpires had. And and maybe there's something in regards to how the game's called or, or what I'm kind of rambling here, but it's going to be fun to see how the season shakes out if, you know, if, and when it happens.
1: Can I, can I, can I ask one more, uh, uh, I don't want to say concluding question, uh, but because this, this sort of a, but, but maybe, maybe this, this is answered, uh, you know, the very sort of one or two words. Um, so governor Wolf's, uh, here in Pennsylvania, stay at home order. Uh, for, for Philadelphia and, and the surrounding area. It uh, was announced yesterday has been extended until June 4th, June 4th or June 6th. Um, one of the two. Um, fourth. Um, yeah, the fourth, yeah, the, the uh, so Thursday. Jordy, as, as, as a member of the team and Mike as an honorary uh, member of the team through your sister, Rachel, who, who is an actual member of the team. Uh, curious to hear uh, both of your predictions as to when we might be out on the softball field again.
0: Oh, this is fun. Uh, I also realized, Seth, a year ago tonight was our softball team's first championship, a.k.a. game six of the Sixers-Raptors series, because I missed our championship for that um, that Sixers game that they ultimately ended up losing the series of, because it would have been Thursday, Thursday, May 8th. Uh, and we obviously started this recording on Friday, May 8th, and now it's Saturday, May 9th, as we're finishing this up. But to answer your question, I don't know. Because it's it's June, and so, like, golf courses are open and everything, right? And our club has done a lot to keep socially distancing, uh, you know, very much a thing. And, like, even when we're checking in to, to our tea times and everything – you know the pros, and the in the golf shop are they're keeping social distance. We all have masks. They hand out basically a little you know little baggy, like if your mom packed your your sandwich to go to school, they pack a little baggie of of golf trinkets, of tees, of markers, a mask. If you did not bring a mask, um, we cannot bring out guests. That being said, there are some clubs as. Jared to bring back up our, our good buddy and, and, you know, a uh, long guest host on this podcast. He, a friend of ours that we play uh, uh, in the golf simulator league at five iron in center city with his club is, is starting to allow guests. So it's obviously not Philadelphia County, but it's the way that, that some places are treating not necessarily social distancing, but social circles is gonna be really really intriguing to see how that, that goes. Obviously Philadelphia County is is its own deal in terms of both cases and its governance and how obviously the population density. But in terms of seeing softball I'm
1: looking for a date, Jordy, that's all.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I am <laughs> messing with you. The long the long answer. I would say closer to August if I had if I had a real gun to my head, I'd say August first. Okay. How about you, Mike? April 1st. Would have loved it. Would have loved to
1: be out there.
2: No, the, the, the upcoming April 1st. April 1st, 2021.
1: So we're not going to be playing softball. Which is a Thursday.
2: In, in Fun days. fact, that is a Thursday. <laughs> Opening day 2021 for both Major League Baseball and for the softball league.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, so this this one, I'm actually more optimistic than either of you. Uh, I think that we will um, be be starting a softball season shortly after the uh, July Fourth holiday. I'd like that. I, I I could I could see it happening. I just uh, actually no, that is when
0: when the season would normally start the the summer two season. So yeah. All right. I believe you. It's
1: it's 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 nothing but guesswork, but. Uh, um and, and and perhaps very much influenced by my uh uh not wanting to yet accept the uh the possibility of uh of of, of a softball uh 2020 but uh uh i'm i'm not sure uh that that i'm i'm where you are quite yet mike but but you may well be right
2: i hope i am not I've yeah
0: been, i i want to see a little too
2: long so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I want to see how the sub. I want to see how what's now Heyday, formerly PSL, wearing uh, our one shirt. I want to see how they treat their outside of Philadelphia leagues if they're gonna, especially with softball, because the point Mike made at the top of the show of uh, that it's naturally socially distant. Obviously, we you need to bench out players, especially because we're paying to play. We're not. You know, being paid by them. Of you need to have some sort of idea, but how they, how you know, even Westchester, Chester County, Delaware County. You know how those. You know Montgomery County obviously is the next highest in terms of cases, but how those go. I think they have the Lehigh Valley, which I would think is lesser than the. You know, the further away you get from Philadelphia, the less is. I know. Harrisburg's kind of dicey, depending on where you go, just from Emily being from there. But how they end up treating their outer rim leagues, to use Star Wars terms, um, is going to be intriguing.
1: Yeah, no. And it's also, I, I think, uh, y- your point that you just sort of re-raised there, Jordy, and, and, and Mike's point earlier about you know baseball and, and you know sort of extrapolating softball being um, a, a little bit different um you know certainly it can, can only work in in favor uh of, of you know softball versus say uh touch football yeah um, yeah i don't
0: see like a soccer league happening yeah Um uh, you know soccer is a little socially distant if you're playing it correctly yeah no <laughs> magnet ball no magnet ball
1: <laughs> no hands and don't touch your face yeah um but one thing that we know for sure is happening in the world of sports this summer, um, is the, uh, hot dog eating contest.
0: Yes. You can do that virtually. They're doing, they're doing American Idol virtually. They can definitely do the hot dog eating contest.
2: I've been preparing for it the last, the last few, go. the last few months. Take down Joey
0: Chestnut.
1: <laughs> Become a go-to lunch for me. Uh, just throw a couple hot dogs on my grill and, uh, I'm making Mike very jealous right now, but uh, uh, it's like become, it's, it's not a very healthy thing. I, I understand that, but it's probably become like a twice weekly lunch for me uh, during quarantine.
2: Solid. Well, think of all the other trade-offs, Seth. I'm sure you're sleeping more, you're, you're exercising every day, you're not working late, and, and so you have a couple hot dogs for lunch, but the overall health is probably a little bit more improved during the quarantine.
0: It's net calories. It's all matters. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys, this was a ton of fun. Is there anything else before we close this thing out?
1: Thanks for having us on, Jordy.
0: Absolutely. We'll definitely have to do this again, hopefully, when, uh, if and when everything happens with the season. Um, maybe a, some form of a division preview, however it ends up shaking out. But thank you guys for coming on. This was a blast and
2: thank you i had it was a it was the fastest two and a half hours i could think of in the last two months that's for sure
0: yeah absolutely this uh thank you to everybody if you're still listening for hanging on to this make sure you like share subscribe to the podcast follow us on all social medias um but for seth and mike i am jordy cannell have a great weekend everybody and go bringing back sports